me about your weekend. I don't know. I don't remember what I did. The days are blurring yeah. together. But I, I meant to ask you how your gardening went. Mm, thank you for asking. Well, it went. It's a it's a wait and see. So the good news is that it happened. Okay. Um, the bad news is that I'm I'm feeling pretty anxious about it. I guess because I'm getting a lot of well-meaning advice from the gardeners in my life who are like, oh, just have fun with it. Don't worry. Nobody gets it right the first time. You know, don't be so stressed about screwing up because you're going to screw up. And it's like, well, hang on. You should have stopped before you got to the second part of your inspiring statement because <laughs> now I'm a little bit hung up on the fact that what I'm hearing is I somehow just spent – $143 on kale that's never going to actually grace my dinner table. Um, so the gardening went okay, but it didn't go great. And I will say um, I was pretty excited to get the things that I got for the garden and felt really lucky to have even been able to purchase them because I was under the foolish impression that, um, that the gardening stores in Seattle were just open and they are open, but they're open. It turns out by appointment only. You can only have so many people in. So when I tried to check it out uh, over the weekend, the appointments were booked out through like the next three or four weeks, which not only means no fun in the meantime, it also makes you start to get concerned because you're supposed to put things in the ground at a certain time of year. But then at but the very last But you still got minute, stuff, right? There was a last minute cancellation at Swanson. Got, okay. And so you got yeah. in there, you got the stuff you needed. Well, here's what I would say. Gardening uh -huh. is like fishing. It's like golf. Half of it is just being out there and relaxing and getting yeah. the sun. And you know what? If you play well, have a great golf round, or you come back home with some fish, then that's the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. And you're right. You can't possibly screw up everything in your garden. So, like, some things will do better than others, and you'll be happy. You just, if you overthink it, then, like, you're missing the entire point. No, I know. I know. And I have been truly just you know, the, the silver lining in quarantine for me has really been the fact that I have gotten to spend so much time trying out totally new hobbies. Uh, I'm really go. enjoying it. And I'm not taking myself too seriously. You know, every time I bake a loaf of bread, it basically has a moment of total catastrophe <laughs> at some point, but I still enjoy it. And then, you know what, the bread tastes pretty good when it comes out. So yes, I know I'm extremely basic. Yes, I know everything I'm doing is like the dumb, bougie, bored millennial thing, but I'm not sorry. So there you have it, folks. Um, but wait, I do have one gardening question for you because you are sort of the resident green thumb at Localer, which is, uh, do you have any tips for keeping the, the little critters away? Because my sunflowers mm. were murdered overnight. I, right. I do not. Um, no. I, yeah, I, I, I've never really had a big problem with, like, are you talking bugs or are you talking, like, rodents? Well, they're, I hate to say it, I don't want to give Seattle a bad rap, but like many um, urban areas in Just say the states, it. we got, a, yeah, we got some rats. We definitely got some rats. We got a, we got okay. some, we got some bold <laughs> rats. Okay. And apparently there's some sort of, um, I think there's like a, an additional like rat <laughs> uprising right now because restaurants are closed for the most oh, part. Oh, nature is healing. Yeah. No, so they're not able to go into restaurants and, and, you know, get food from dumpsters as easily. So they're coming to people's homes. And the other thing is, yeah, I did yesterday, I was sitting out on the porch, which is um, 
the house is right across the street from this big park. And there were these bunnies that were chilling in the road, in the middle of the road. They were afraid of nothing. They were not afraid of humans. They were not afraid of cars. I thought the bunnies were the reason they, you know, they um, reproduce at such a rapid clip is because they die if you breathe on them wrong. I didn't know that bunnies could become fearless, but these little Peter <laughs> Cottontails were the just like bearing me down. They killed my sunflowers for sport, Larry. They didn't eat them. They just lopped their heads off. It huh. was carnage. It was messed well, up. I mean, I know sometimes here in the South, like when you grow tomatoes, you can put like a fencing around them mm, to kind of keep yeah. them out. That's the only preventative thing I, I, I know about. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think these, like I said, though, I think this is going to get to be some pretty expensive kale when it's all said and done. But um, but anyway, speaking of food, uh, I'm already hungry based on this conversation. I think things are only yeah, going to get worse for me. What rats and kale, baby. You know, what else is there? <laughs> okay, well, um, if you weren't hungry before, let's check in with you in a few minutes because we're going to talk to one of our dear friends, uh, local advisory board member and Mexico City contributor, uh, Ronit Joselovitz. She is a storyteller and content curator for Lululemon, and she is as active uh, in sports and fitness as she is in the kitchen. So I think she's going to have some good knowledge to drop on us and also a a pretty crazy story about her own personal run-in with COVID-19. So, oh my God, I can't wait to hear. I know, I know. So um, let's give her a call. Also, just remember you can get us uh, via email or on Instagram. Uh, I'm Kate with a C. So Kate at localer.com is my email address and Kate.smithson on IG. Larry at localer.com. Larry Luke with no E on all social medias. All right. Let's get to it. Hello. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you guys? Doing pretty good over here. Um, Are we catching you in sunny San Diego? Am I correct in that assumption? You are, and it is quite sunny over here. That's that's the deal for San Diego, right? That's the draw. It is. Um, Well, Thank you again for joining us today. Um, we're really, really, really curious. Let's just get started with hearing about how and why you found yourself in San Diego right now, because um, as we've stated, you live in Mexico City normally, and um, and you had a kind of interesting turn of events that, that took you from there to where you are. So want to tell us about your um, your run-in with coronavirus? Yeah, let's let's get into it. So I am normally based in Mexico City, um, but as coronavirus, things started to heat up in the United States and in Mexico, I decided to come to San Diego to be with my boyfriend as I ended up getting coronavirus and I was in Mexico when when I found out that I actually had it. Um, And so I was already quarantining and was by myself. Um, I had really no contact with anyone except for my mom who forced me to hug her one time. <laughs> um, but for but basically what happened was I was traveling like I normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Sun Valley and then I was in San Diego and, and then I came back. This is when? Mexico. This was circa February, beginning of March. 
Okay. Okay. So you went to Sun Valley, you went like skiing, you went home to San Diego. Exactly. Then I went to San Diego for another wedding and then I ended up going back to Mexico. And that's when I started feeling, well, I started feeling a little ill in San Diego, but I went to see a doctor and he Mm -hmm. was like, you're fine. Like it's just something viral, but don't be worried. Um, Because at that point, coronavirus wasn't, hadn't really, there was just kind of word about what was happening but no one really knew like it, people weren't saying oh you should wear a mask this is how you should do things sure oh or it, even it wasn't you... like officially confirmed as like exactly here. like okay, I, yeah. I was in san diego and there were no confirmed cases at the time so it was kind of like a no it's definitely not coronavirus you but at the same cold. time yeah. i was like you know i should just be extra precautious i'm not gonna hug and kiss anyone like i normally do because that's how you say hi in mexico so i literally gave no one any hugs. I didn't say hi the normal way. I felt a little mean, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to be safe and this (laughs) is how we're going to do things. What were your symptoms at that point? Like what, what brought you into the doctor's office? So my throat just kind of started hurting and I had a dry cough and that was about it. But my boyfriend had a fever and he also had a dry cough and eventually I lost all taste and smell. And let me tell Uh you, I have a keen sense of taste and smell. So I knew something was a little off, but at the same time, I was like, well, I am prone to sinus infections. So mm-hmm. that seems so okay. I, I'm sorry to keep digging into all of the, the symptoms, but I, <laughs> I've got to be honest, you're the only person I've spoken with who has had coronavirus. Did you did you lose your appetite as well? Because I know I know you love food, judging from your Instagram and your <laughs> other Instagram account, uh, Row Eats World. So like, were you still craving foods and you just couldn't smell them? Or like, what, what was that like? Um, I definitely was not craving foods and I live in a bakery and I couldn't even, I was like, I'm not even going to eat chocolate because I can't taste you, it. <laughs> you live in a oh, bakery? Wow. Yeah, in Mexico, I, my house is the original bakery that my grandma had created um, like in the 60s. Wow. And now my uncle has a whole restaurant chain but and bakery chain situation. It's all family owned. But my house mm. continues to be the original bakery. And so I have sweets at my disposal at all times mm-hmm. and even that I was like why would I eat this if I literally can't taste it I'm not craving any sugar I I could there was really not worth eating a lot of things because I yeah. really couldn't taste it I could only taste feel textures and that's when it really gives you like a different kind of take on food because I wasn't eating based on taste I was eating based on what does this texture make me feel like <laughs> oh, so wow. You know, I've gotten sick. That used to be like a hallmark of me getting sick, uh, which sucked because it used to always happen at Christmas time, like day four or five of having a bad cold or something. I stopped being able to smell and taste. But for some reason, it seems like it's a different beast with coronavirus. Do you get that normally when you get sick? Larry, do you get that? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I can't recall. Really? I just, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm a paranoid person as it is. So, you know, every time I like get a little cough, I'm like, oh, do I have it? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you know, like just like not sure. But it sounds like, Ronit, that this was uh, significantly different to where you you decided that you needed to go like seek uh, professional advice or an opinion. Yeah. So basically after that had happened and the taste just was not coming back. I was like, I'm going to go see my ENT in Mexico because I'm back home. And so that was literally the only place I left to. And he checked me and he was like, you have a terrible sinus infection, but like you get those every six months. So here's what we're going to give you. And so I just started taking the medicine and it really didn't 
help me. I was like, I'm not getting better. Like, this is not great. So I continued to just stay home. I stopped. Mm -hmm. I couldn't work out. Like, it was really hard to get out of bed. Um, I was, I told my boss, like, hey, I think I have a sinus infection, but just to be safe, I'm going to stay home. I really don't want to risk anything given, like, what's happening in the world. And then I got an email (laughs) from one of the weddings that I had gone to saying there's been a confirmed case from the wedding. From the wedding. And so I called my doctor and I said, hey, I got this email. And he said, you need to find out exactly who the person was to see if you were had close contact. Uh I was like, okay, uh well, definitely, I'll definitely do that. Um, So I found out who it was, remembered having a pretty close conversation with that person and was like, okay, I I haven't been in contact with people, so I feel safe. But my boyfriend had gone to a bachelor party. So I was like, you need to go get tested. And he was in San Diego at the time. So, So did he have it too? <laughs> yeah. Wait, so I, I I need you to recreate this wedding for me. I don't mean for you to out people like, you know, we don't have to go into specifics, but I need to I want to see what you saw. So like this person, um was it someone you knew? Was it somebody who you just like chatted with for a little while at the was, reception? Yeah, it was someone who we spoke to at the brunch. So we specific and we specifically remembered talking to that person, my boyfriend and I because she was the last person we spoke to. And like we were just talking about Mexico and food and traveling and you know the normal things that we talk mm-hmm. about. And was <laughs> she was like, in the wedding party? Um, not in the wedding party, but she was like pretty big part of the wedding. So then, okay, um, we were like, you know, just <laughs> to be safe, we're gonna, yeah, you know, I can get you tested because you're in San Diego. My uncles are doctors; they have connections in the hospitals. Like I know testing is still limited because, mind you, this was still March, like beginning mm-hmm. of March. So I got him in contact with my uncles who work at one of the hospitals because it, you know, it wasn't like readily information, available information to find out where you could get tested in San Diego sure. in the middle of March, which was wild. So I was like, let's, let's stick to the doctors. And we got him a test and um, he came out positive, which is then how we knew I was positive. Like I wasn't able to get a test in Mexico because at the time it was still extremely limited and they were only testing people who were like, super, super sick or old. Mm-hmm. And I was still in contact with my ENT, the ear, nose, throat doctor. And so he was like, you need to continue stay home. Like you cannot have contact with anybody and you're going to stay there until you're fine. And I was like, this is terrible. What was the turnaround time like to find out from when he got tested? Was it like a couple days or? Couple oh my gosh. Hours? It took 10 days. Oh, oh my, my God. Yeah, because they what? kept saying, like, we can't find your test. And I was like, oh, God, they lost his test. Oh like, God. this is the worst thing ever. And at that oh point. Oh, my God. I mean, got- people listening, I'm like face palming. I cannot believe, yeah. like, the, they the took blunders a really that happened. Long time. Oh, and my God. In, on top of that, like, the day that we started feeling symptoms was March 4th. And the day that he got tested was March 15th. And he was still positive. So it's just kind of wow. like this whole idea of like you don't really know when you stop having it and when you're not contagious and anymore. Luckily, none of the people that he was with ended up testing positive either. Um, so it's just him. Which so what have you guys maybe, been doing this time? Like like just totally isolating and staying away from any kind of human contact. Yeah. So we he stayed home. He stopped going to work. Um, I was in Mexico, literally by myself, going crazy. Um, and then that's when like one day I woke up and I was like, okay, things still have not gone crazy here in Mexico, but they're about to. And I know it just cause I know how the government is here. <laughs> so I think it's either if I go to San Diego now and I'll be stuck there until who knows when, or I'm going to be here in Mexico alone and it's going to be not that fun. So I got on the plane and left. 
Um, and then obviously isolated here. And now we've just been in the house and have not left. Can I ask you some more questions about like yeah, how this unfolded in your mind? Okay, I hope this isn't too boring. Um, okay, so did, okay, first question, what was it like having to tell people like, oh, okay, I found out that I have this. Now I need to contact everybody I've been in contact with, right? Um, and like, let them know. I had a mental breakdown. Like I literally called my oh mom my and I was like, mom, this is worse. I almost wish I had an STD because then I knew it would be just one person. And she uh -huh. was like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, no, but I saw like you and then I saw my cousin and then I didn't say hi to them like from afar, but I was freaking out. And then I was like, I like hurt people. She was like, no one has gotten sick so far. So luckily you're okay. You haven't seen your grandparents. You've been really responsible about the whole thing. But it was honestly one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Like my, I had my mom call one of my aunts because I just like, I couldn't stop crying. Couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, well, it was nice to hear some reassurance from your mom. Like I'm, I would assume Definitely. in the middle of a mental breakdown, you, you need somebody to talk you up. Yeah. But then what do you do about like, well you got on a plane, obviously you can't contact everybody who is on the flight, but do you have to contact the airline? Like what's the, what's the protocol? Well, when I, like, I guess the, when I had gone on that flight from San Diego to Mexico at the beginning, that was March 8th. Um, I was sitting next to my aunt and we mm -hmm. actually had a seat in between us. And at that point I was freaking out. I was like wearing a face mask, even though you weren't really supposed to at the time I had hand sanitizer. I wasn't coughing at all. I was like trying not to breathe. Um, so she was really the only person I had to tell and she was fine. She ended up getting tested as well, um, in San Diego. Wow. And so that was okay. But I like, it didn't tell like the airlines just in Mexico, they, I don't know. I don't think they had it under control because when I left again, Mexico mm -hmm. in March, like March 31st when I left, um, and I was completely symptom free and totally fine, like was able to return to my workouts and everything. Um, what really surprised me was that the airport was pretty empty, which was pretty austere and kind of freaky. But then mm -hmm. once they started calling people to line up, I was wearing like literally four masks, gloves. <laughs> I literally brought my own Clorox wipes and I paid extra basically till I have no seats around me. <laughs> like I don't even know how I did that, but I figured it out. And then, but then when they had people line up for the flight, no one was six feet apart. No one was wearing a mask. When people got up to get their luggage, like after the flight, landed they like got up as as if nothing there was no uh respect for personal space luckily i had my yoga mat so that really created a barrier for people to, like, <laughs> not able to get next to me um but it was so wild and people i felt like people were looking at me like a crazy woman because i would like someone had tried to sit next to me and i was like you cannot sit here i'm so sorry <laughs> um and oh, it was just crazy that in march 31st people in mexico still hadn't really understood like how bad this was. Can you they, tell us about the energy level that you had like at the height of it versus when you felt it was okay to like go and work out? Yeah. So there was a point I just kind of couldn't get out of bed. It was like really weird. I, was, I just feel so lethargic and it didn't really feel like a heaviness of breathing or anything. Um, I also have panic attacks. So then sometimes I couldn't really tell what the different ones. And I think it was actually maybe better that while I was sick, I had no idea that I actually had this because then I would have probably spiraled into, mm. I don't know, like something more psychological um, mm -hmm. than it really was. Luckily, I, I didn't even have fever. Um, 
but definitely my energy levels were really low. Like I couldn't even do like a yoga class and I, I didn't understand why. I was like, I always get sick. I always have sinus infections. I can always still do yoga. Um, but I couldn't even like get out of bed versus Any then crazy dreams. Um, like when you have the flu, I, you know, I think there was one day where I like couldn't sleep at all. Like I couldn't sleep at all. So I decided was not, not advised, but I decided to take a, a Benadryl like drowsy. And that was probably the worst thing I could have ever done in my life because I, I like in my dreams, I thought I was going to get killed and it was, it was the wildest night ever. Um, and then I found out that I probably like, or I did have COVID. So I probably shouldn't have taken that <laughs> just to sleep. So yeah, there were definitely some crazy dreams. There. <laughs> you think your brain maybe like, I don't know, I'm just armchair hypothesizing here that your brain like knew that your dreams were going to be insane. And so your brain was like, nah, girl, we ain't going to sleep. But then you were like, yes, we are. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind me giggling a little bit. I just no. Uh, I mean, I think it's kind I think, of a wild like, story. No, it really is a wild story. And like, luckily, um, I was in contact with all the people who were close to me. Um, like the people who work still work at the bakery. Like I, I literally wasn't even going through where they work. I wasn't even leaving my house. My mom kept saying, like, you need to get fresh air. And the reason why I had given my mom a hug, I feel like I didn't explain this. My mom was in Mexico um, for a week before this started. And then she ended up leaving earlier to – she was just there to visit me and her family. And she ended up leaving earlier because she had a feeling that the United States was going to shut down soon. And she thought she was going to get stuck in Mexico. So then she self-quarantined when she, once she got back to Houston – uh, but that's how I was able to give my mom a hug. And she was literally the only person who I had actual physical contact with um, besides well, my boyfriend. <laughs> and if Before, your mom forces you to give them a hug, like you have to do it. I think we all know the mom code that there's certain things that your mother <laughs> asks you for. And you're like, you know what? It's not worth it to try and fight her on this. Exactly. I was like, you know, I'm going to give you a hug, does. but like turn my head, you know, slightly just kind of like, oh, mom, I don't want to get you sick. Like how many people at the wedding got sick? Did the couple get sick? Do you know what the like the spiral out from that event was? Because I imagine a lot of people were traveling from other places to go to this wedding and then, you know, went back home. And so there was a um I, I imagine like if anybody had it, the 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 sort of spider web from that point could have gone pretty far. Yeah, I really have no idea because then my boyfriend and I were like, well, what if we were the ones who like got it? Cause we traveled from San Diego to Boise to Sun Valley. Like we don't, the thing is that we have no idea. We really don't know if like, I don't think the couple ended up getting it. Um, but we really have no idea, but what, what it comes down to is that this was circulating already around in the United States. And we really had no idea for me to have gotten felt the first symptom March 4th. That means that I probably got it sometime in February. Um, which means it was already going around and no one really knew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's what we're coming to find out. Like these new reports are coming out saying, hey, it was actually here in the U.S. a lot earlier than anyone thought. And um, that's scary to think about, but also interesting to know that a lot of people like yourself probably had it and came out the other side um, just fine. So that's kind of a hopeful way to think about it yeah so what's Definitely. the vibe like now in san diego like um you know here personally in seattle i can say that people are getting pretty lax about it all 
What's it like there? I, I think, well, the beaches opened, I think it was April 27th and people oh, just wow. started rushing over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be in movement if you're there. So you have to either be surfing huh. or running or walking. Like you can't just be like lounging. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think, I mean, people, the only, literally the only places I've gone to are on pretty remote hikes. Um, and all of the people who I end up seeing all have masks, which is really a good feeling. Um, mm-hmm. As well as the grocery store, which I think is now illegal if you don't wear a face covering. Um, oh, wow. But at the same time, based on like what I've heard is that things are becoming a little more lax. Like today was the first day my boyfriend went back to his office. It, it's a pretty small team. Um, and they all have their own like actual office space. So they're able to show social distance. Um, but again, things are starting to like kind of open up. And I think the sentiments around everything is kind of like, well, like, maybe I can take off my mask or maybe I can do this, which I feel as though may not be the best decision based on really all the things I've been hearing. And my dad's a doctor. So like, I know like what's happening on the front lines um, from like a firsthand basis. So I think that it's just really important to keep up like wear your face and that social distance as much as possible and just realize that this is not a joke. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have to imagine, is there a little bit of a silver lining though? So you live in Mexico City and your your partner lives in San Diego, which yes. is probably not too long of a flight, but you don't live in the same place. And and for the past month or so though, you've gotten to spend all of your time together. Is that has that sort of made a little bit of a um a treat out of this terrible misfortune? I definitely think so. We went from long distance to quarantine buddies. So like, I mean, I really can't um, complain. And I think it really adds to a level of um, kind of more interesting to our, a more interesting level to our relationship. Um, Definitely now I know I can live with him. So that's a good sign. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it's kind of like a little mini trial of like how it would be like living together. Um, in the future. So I think that that is a pretty big silver lining within everything that's happened. 100%. Um, that's awesome. Congrats. It's been very fun. Um, so how, how are you feeling on the other side of this? Um, I'm definitely feeling a lot better. Um, kind of not soothing, but it's kind of like a calming feeling knowing that I've already had it and I survived and I'm totally okay. And also that my boyfriend had it and he's also fine. So I think that that kind of gives me an assurance that if I can't say if you're healthy, you'll for sure get out of this. Okay. Um, But it just makes me feel a little bit better that it doesn't necessarily always have to end poorly Um, and with complications. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that's, I mean, I don't want that to be a reason for people to like go back out, but just know that like it will end eventually all of this. And how much are you loving now, like having the sense of taste back and things like that? Like, does it feel like you've been given a new lease on life or um, is it just business as Um, usual? It's definitely been like, once I got my taste back, the first thing I did was order Contramar in Mexico because they were doing deliveries. Uh, But I was like, I need a tuna tostada. That is what I need right now for my palate. Um, and then they stopped doing the deliveries, but it was still at the beginning. So that was, that was great. I definitely treated myself to that. Um, and went back to my usual, um, eating of sweets. (laughs) So what are the plans now? How long do you plan to stay in San Diego? Um, 
you know, question I ask myself every day. I thought it would be a lot easier to determine when would be the right point to go back. Um, supposedly things open up back in Mexico. I think it's in 19 days. Um, however, I don't really know what's going to happen. The thing is that once things start to reopen in the United States, it'll kind of create a push for Mexico to also reopen um, in certain sectors. And I don't know how long Mexico will be able to withhold kind of like the, a stop in its economy, like how the United States could. Um, obviously, a lot of businesses have been mm -hmm. affected here, but in Mexico, it'll be a lot more um, like it'll be a bigger deal for more businesses the longer they stay closed. So I, I'm thinking maybe the first week of June or the second would probably be OK to to go back um, like at least on my team um, in Mexico, we're still all working from home. So either way, I can stay here for as long as yeah, I so, need. So how is all this, how has all this affected work? Like what, talk about like kind of what you do on a day to day and yeah. How, how so in, in Mexico, I am the storyteller for Lululemon. So what that is, is I create and curate all of the digital content on our social media, specifically Instagram. And so that's really, I had to completely change my strategy um, for what we do um, because we're not, we're no longer holding events. Um, and so I have to think about, okay, how do I continue to upkeep this community we've created in the wellness sector in Mexico, mm -hmm. but at the same time, keep them motivated and have them kind of feel, well, keep moving and stay connected during this time. So I've had to kind of really readjust like how we normally do um, our social media, create new programming uh, with Instagram lives, which has been really great. Um, and kind of just continue to help keep people mentally stimulated, but at the same time physically stimulated. Um, and I think a good thing that has come from that is that I'm normal. I even used to working from home or really remote, even though I'm always in Mexico for the most part, only on weekends when I travel um, to San Diego or Sun Valley, for example. And basically, um, I was able to kind of bring in different kind of things that I normally do within my schedule and bring that into our community online. So, for example, I always write every morning on a whiteboard what I'm doing for the day. So I know exactly like, hey, this is the work that I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to cook today. Um, and what that does is it creates order for me in a world that's not quite that ordered. And I feel like that really applies right now. So I kind of wanted to bring in those mm -hmm. elements of things that I, I'm, I'm used to, but that most people aren't and kind of bring them into the spectrum of our Instagram. And so that's what I've really tried to do in creating our programming with Instagram lives and kind of like having like a, a set agenda that'll that people know they can come to every single week and I was able to create that from the beginning of March which has been really really great because now people know that we are kind of like this hub for uh, wellness and meditation and yoga and hit training in Mexico well, can you give us a taste of it because you know I think we all need a little extra <laughs> inspiration and motivation so like what are some of your tips what are you bringing to the table um for all of this and just in general like how you stay you you are a highly motivated person and a really active person and that's valuable generally but extremely valuable for people now who have lost a lot of the structure that um 
that sort of gave them the ability to get yeah, things done? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm still keeping up with my um, my whiteboard and I'm writing down every day so I know which Good. day it is because I have no idea otherwise. Um, and just kind of putting that into, kind of taking things day by day instead of like looking up like, okay, like this is what I'm going to do in a month because we really have no idea what a month will look like from now. Um, and so that's why like, in exa- for example, for Lululemon as well, like my agendas come out just for a week. So I kind of, I plan them at the month out, but I only take them out. Like I only present them per week so that people aren't extremely overwhelmed with, oh my God, this is what's happening the entire month. But rather they see it more of a day by day and weekly um, progress. Um, and in, in that agenda, what I include for them is I always try to include some sort of meditation, some sort of yoga, some sort of workout you could do from your living room. And then Saturdays, I usually try to do like more like intense workouts. And then Sunday, I bring in food. So we're kind of doing like Instagram lives related to food. Um, and the idea of those, those Instagram lives, I mean, kind of just came from like what I normally do is I think of like what I want to eat for the week. Um, what workouts I want to do for the week. Um, how can I incorporate meditation throughout the week as well? Um, oh, wow. So a lot of this content is really an extension of what you would be doing for yourself exactly. anyway. That's kind so, of So, nice. I mean, selfishly, yes. But <laughs> it's what you'd be doing, but it's now it's a, it's a creative like um, output is what I would think is like this used to just be sort of yeah, how you created, how you lived your life. And now it's really valuable information that you can like sort of put your, your stamp on and say like, Hey, this is, this is the yeah. thing that I made. So it's been really exciting. Instagram is such a visual medium as it is. And lots of times you got to go out and shoot this content. Um, have you had to pivot your strategy to continue to create visuals for your Instagram? Oh, hundred percent. Normally I'm used to shooting at least three to four times a week. And luckily I had a lot of stock photos that I had taken in February so I could travel. Um, and those were kind of taken of single people. Um, it wasn't kind of like group shots, which was great because I am not trying to promote people to get together, to go out running and whatnot, but rather kind mm-hmm. of get people to continue to stay home. Um, and so if you look at all the imagery before I used to really show community through photos um, having lots of people and like showing like the different events we were doing. Um, but whereas now I'm really focusing on people um, as single humans, but then in that I'm also creating other content that I wouldn't necessarily always use during a normal time, but you know, I can't really go into someone's house to go take a photo of them. Um, and, and not just because I'm here in San Diego, but even if I was in Mexico, it just kind of would be kind of like a, a risky and tricky thing to do. So I'm having to lean in on people from our collective to take photos and videos of themselves and then figure out me how I can use an app to then hyperlapse it and make it look cool and something that we would want to include in our feed. Um, And also just being super selective with the people who I'm asking and just hoping that they're already very good with um, um, technology. Mm -hmm. But also good things have come from this where we started collaborating with a photographer who shoots on drone and we basically did a series of photos of people working out on their roofs and their balconies and he took photos of them. And so that has been super interesting and that's really something that we probably wouldn't have done 
otherwise, but it's still showing how we're still a community. We're still moving. We're still meditating. We're still doing yoga. And while we're not physically together, but we're like kind of like all in this together. So it's been really cool in terms of content to see how all these things are arising and how we're making it still work for our brand. You seem to really get it. You're hired. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> on the advisory board. Yeah, I love so, it. I mean, I'm curious. I know you say, obviously, none of us really know what's going to happen. And, and it's probably a fool's errand to even really focus too much on the future. Because if the, you know, if the reopening date keeps getting moved and moved and moved, then and we're expecting it to, you know, stay what it is, we're just setting ourselves up for defeat. But what do you think, if you had to guess, really, really, when do you think we can, like, when do you think you'll be able to resume your events as they were pre-COVID? Um, and, and like, what do you think, do you think anything about them will be fundamentally different forever? Or am I getting way ahead of myself here? You know, I really have no idea. I think, I think maybe um, end of June, beginning of July, I'll be able to start taking photo shoots, like, not at the same rhythm as I was before, but mm -hmm. um, kind of take those photos and be able to now do the videos that people have been sending me. I'll be able to do them myself. So I know they're done exactly the way that I want them to. Um, but in terms of shooting like big groups and doing big events, I don't think that that's something that will even get back to this year. Um, just because doing a big event probably isn't the smartest thing to do. Um, because we want to make sure that, you know, people's safety is our, our number one thing. And then mm -hmm. in turn, if I'm taking photos of big groups, then what does that speak to? Um, so it's definitely going to be, as Larry said, it's like another pivot um, where while we still have to show community, we're going to have to come up with new ways to continue to, you know, maybe it's just continuing these Instagram lives. Um, maybe not every day like we're doing right now, but instead of doing like a big event, we'll be doing like webinars or these Instagram lives to kind of continue to feed that community without having to completely stop all activity. It's just in a new, a new way. It's just different. Um, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, Lululemon puts on a half marathon every year in Vancouver, BC called the Seawees, which is really, really fun and, and lively and a, a great experience. The series was canceled this year. Were you going to run it? I think you said that you were. I was. Mm. So I was supposed to run it. Um, it was going to be the day before my birthday. Oh. Um, but this year, and last year they had it too, which is great because they've already kind of had this like, okay, we can do a digital series for all the people who weren't able to get a draw. Um, oh, so they did a digital there. one last year. So they did a digital one last year and they'll be continuing that this year as well. I don't know if I'm doing it because definitely for me, a half marathon distance, I need people around me to motivate me. Um, so I don't know if I'll be doing it, um, but it's definitely a great way to continue to kind of feed that community that is already created. So I think that's a really great example of how they've kind of changed their, um, their strategy given the circumstances. They're ready. This is like what Lululemon has been training for, it sounds like, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So I'm curious a little bit about um, about what you're doing, sort of what you're missing, I guess, in terms of your favorite restaurants and local things to do in Mexico City. What are you missing the most about Mexico City right now? 
Um, I definitely miss the restaurants. Um, I think one of my most, like, I, I consider myself a pretty social person. So on a regular week, I'll have at least two to three um, friend dinners or go out to dinner um, to mm-hmm. different restaurants and try out new restaurants as well. Um, and so I definitely miss that because now while I still have a lot of fun cooking for myself, um, but at the same time, I really miss kind of those connections um, and like going to try new places and discovering new places as well. Um, kind of like the more exploratory part um, is really what I miss. Um, mm-hmm. Just because right now it's not really something I can do. But any restaurants like that are your favorites, like that you can name drop so we can basically pop you for local or Rex while we're um, Definitely. While doing this podcast? <laughs> um, I really miss Mog, which which is a sushi place. Um, at the same time, I I mentioned I had ordered Contramar before they stopped doing delivery. I, I could eat those tuna tostadas every single day. Um, there's also a really good Thai restaurant called Galanga. And I, I know they're doing delivery right now still. So that's really cool. Um, but those are definitely my tops that I am currently missing their flavors. What do you think you're going to eat first? What's your, like, tell, give me your, your total, like, no holds barred food extravaganza. The floodgates are open day in Mexico city. Oh, once this okay. is all over. Once this is all over, I'll definitely go get some French toast from Lalo. Okay. Um, then maybe I would get like, uh, you know, just continue on the sweets. I would go to Panaderia Rosetta for some sort of pastry because those are delicious. Um, I would get a matcha latte from Green Republic. They have literally the best iced matcha lattes. <laughs> um and then for lunch, what would I do? For, oh, tostadas from Contramar, like 100%. I can eat all of them. Um, and I would also eat the dessert there because they have great desserts. I like them all. <laughs> what do you What do you get? What's a good um, I People really like the fig tart. I'm not a fig person, um, so don't treat me. Um, Figs are weird. I really, like, <laughs> I really like the meringue. It's like a strawberry meringue cake. And it's super good. Mm. Highly recommend. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're now we're moving on to a post-lunch snack, which we all need. Yeah. Po- post-lunch <laughs> snack. <laughs> um, I would probably, I would probably go for a drink. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're, yeah. So, I mean. That sounds about right. Because otherwise you'd be needing to take a nap at this point. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, usually I do take a nap after that. Um, I would probably, (laughs) probably go get a drink, um, at Felix. I love them. They have the best drinks. What do you get at Felix? They have this gin drink called Moonlight. I think it's just called Moonlight actually. And it's, um, cucumber gin. And I think it has mint. It's very good. Oh, that sounds so refreshing refreshing. right now. And they also have the best French fries. So I would also get a little French fry snack to complement all that. Sure. I don't know if I could actually yeah, eat all that makes sense. once, but I would really try. And for dinner, I would go to Mog and get some nigiris and some sushi bowls. They have this new part. I mean, the restaurant just kind of continues to expand, I feel, like in the same space. Um, but they just opened like this new sushi bar above. Um, and it's like very intimate. And you can get really, really great pieces there. So that would probably be my dinner. 
It, and then are you going out after dinner? Is there like nightlife or is this go to someone's um, house? I would chill? probably continue except for <laughs> because I've eaten so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if, if I, if I weren't feeling extremely full, I, since I'd be in the Roma area, I would probably just continue bar hopping around um, and kind of see where the night takes me. I almost regret asking you this question because now there are so many foods that I want that I'm not going to get anytime soon. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Ronit. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, I haven't had sushi at all this whole quarantine. And you it's haven't? It's driving me crazy. Well, because I don't know. I For whatever reason, it just seems like harder to prepare or acquire. I made sushi I last week for the first time. Oh, and let me tell it. you, it's if pretty good. good. It's but, pretty easy if you can get good fish. I, I will tell you that here in San Diego, hashtag blessed because <laughs> A, my boyfriend is an insane sushi connoisseur. Um, and so we've been going to different Japanese markets and getting fresh fish there and making sushi bowls. And I, I say, I Dang, think we're a pretty I'm good super team. Jealous. <laughs> He's really good at making rice like and different sauces. And then I'm really good at creating kind of like the presentation of it. So we've been mm -hmm. making some pretty nice sushi bowls. I, that was my last post on Roe's World, actually. Excellent. Oh, I'm going to go check it out and right now. Let's see <laughs> what's going on over here. Larry, even Oh, I see here. it. Look at the presentation is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Especially yeah. where fish is concerned. You have to plate it properly. You know, that's, that's key. Definitely. Um, you've got everything like sectioned off uh, so that there's like a pop of color all over. Nothing's mixed together. I guess that's what happens when you start eating it yourself. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I was just going to tell you, Larry, that, you know, easier even than making sushi is making poke. It's really, really simple. Uh, I think you owe it to yourself to make yourself. Yeah, poke. maybe I'll maybe I'll explore that. I mean, there's only so many times I can make tacos and uh, pa pantry pasta. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of it. Um, if yeah. you're going to be making pantry pasta, though, I highly recommend the Bon Appetit um, magazine recipe from John and Vinny's. It's delicious. Wait, what oh, is well, I got inspired to make pantry pasta from watching Bon Appetit's YouTube channel because I think everyone, all the uh, test kitchen chefs are quarantined separately. And Wait, so I, guys... I watched that and it got me excited. Can you all explain to me what you're talking about? Because I'm a, I'm a New York Times cooking uh, <laughs> like just devotee. So I don't know about this whole Bon Appetit video thing. Test kitchen is what? So Bon Appetit, like they have a test kitchen in New York and they have all these like personalities on their YouTube channel that are also editors. I think they write for the magazine, but they, they've also become like these YouTube personalities. So mm -hmm. they all have different styles of cooking and they're all vastly different people from different backgrounds and have different styles and so there are different chefs that like i gravitate to, to versus like my friends who watch also that like different chefs so it's pretty cool who's your guy or gal um i i like brad leone he's like i don't know he looks like a main lobster fisherman guy okay uh, he's just like he's like kind of like into fermented stuff and kind of like real like um casual about cooking 
he's like, oh, you can put some of this in there. Or if you don't have this, you do this. And he like doesn't care. There's like no rules. And he never mm-hmm. writes like recipes down. He just goes. And so I'm really inspired by that being a creative person myself I love to just improvise on the fly yeah and it makes it so much more approachable than if you feel like oh I mm-hmm. need you know exactly these ingredients or right and there are no other making this there are other chefs that like use the scale and measure out everything and have everything mm-hmm. prepared and like I I could never I could never do that before I started cooking so Ronnie, what's your go-to what's your what's not your maybe not your go-to but what's your favorite pantry pasta recipe that you've gotten from well, the quarantine? I, I think it's definitely a pantry pasta recipe minus the shallots because you know, I don't feel like everyone has shallots, but it's the John and Vinny's one on Bon Appetit that they posted. And, it, you know, it tastes pretty, pretty similar to the actual John and Vinny's um, pasta, which is my favorite, the spicy fusilli. Um, so highly recommend you look into that one. I, I don't think it's from the same series as the pantry pasta YouTube situation. Um, yeah, but it's I don't pretty it easy to make, and it's on the Bon Appetit um, website. And I've been, uh, I've I been guarantee you, I will make that this week. Yeah, I'll make it's that this so week, good. And I'll I message highly... you and let you know how Please it went. Please do. Please. I'm do. feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling kind of dumb though. I don't know what John and Vinny's is. Uh, okay, well, in Los Angeles, it's the most delicious pizza pasta place. Um, it started in, on, I think it's North Fairfax, like Boulevard, but they just opened one in Brentwood. But next time. When this is all over and you are in Los Angeles, please make a, make a reservation for John and Minnie's. I like literally should be a hype girl for them because I love them <laughs> so much. Okay, deal. I'm in. But in the meantime, I yeah, let's let's all make the pasta and see how it yes. turns out. Highly recommended. Sweet. Well, it reminds me, Kate. Weren't we gonna do like some cookbook challenge on a future episode? Of yes, we Stanford do have Show? a we have a pretty cool uh, in with a uh, person who helped put together this cookbook called the Devour Tours Cookbook. So it's um, working with a lot of different chefs in different European cities like Barcelona and Paris, and um, and all sharing recipes that are sort of. Uh, hallmarks of those cuisines. Um, so we're going to try our hand at making a couple of them and see what comes of it. And, and uh, no promises. Delicious. Know what I mean? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it turns yeah. out. Um, okay. Well, hey, speaking of food, I, I also just want to hear a little bit, if it's not too um, too much jumping around, I want to hear about this uh, this family bakery that you that you mentioned and and hear about how it maybe drew you to Mexico city. Um, you know, let's give it, let's give it a shout out. Yeah. Um, so basically my grandparents were from Hungary, Romania. And Mm -hmm. after world war two, world war two, they moved to France and from there they moved to Mexico. Um, and in Mexico, my grandma started baking from their garage apartment to kind of help the family because my mom is one of five. So Mm -hmm. she started baking and it kind of started picking up traction. People started really putting in a lot of orders. And eventually my grandfather, who had a different business, kind of came home one day, put on his apron, was like, I'm ready to make this art thing. So they started baking together, turned into an entire family business. All of my aunts and uncles were involved um, from the actual baking side to sending um, deliveries and doing all of that. And eventually, one of my uncles ended up expanding the business even more um, and then created a restaurant that every restaurant has a different bakery. 
But at the same time, most of the production was still in my grandmother's bakery and he just kind of took on a, a kind of different sector of the production, kind of turning out new cakes and new recipes. Um, and when I first moved to Mexico, it was probably one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to move to Mexico. I kind of just thought something cool was happening, but the idea of being able to stay with my grandmother and live in her house, which was also a bakery, was also extremely appealing because mm-hmm. um, you would wake up to the smell of butter. Um, wow, who doesn't want you know, that? Delicious. Um, and you could just get whatever cookies you, you wanted. Um, and so she was still doing a small part of the production at that point, which was in when I moved was 20, 2016. Um, at that point, my uncle already had a vast part of the production and he now has a factory and I don't, I don't even know how many restaurants, but I think it's over a hundred restaurants and boutiques, um, wow. where they just sell kind of like the cookies and, um, cakes, um, and coffee as well. And so that was really cool to be a part of. Like when I was little, I used to always go to the, to Mexico to visit and I would always help in the bakery. And, um, so I was, it, it's a family owned bakery, so you know, everyone who worked there had been there since I could remember. Um, And then two years ago, my grandma passed away. So they closed the actual production side from the house, but they continued to keep the house as a point of sale for the bakery. Because again, my uncle already had most of the production in his factory. So then they just kind of trans, like they moved everything that was already happening at my grandma's house and then moved it back, or not back, but moved it into the larger factory, um, including all, all of the people who had been there for so many years. But What's then it called? It's, still, it's called Garabatos. Okay. And so the house is still, it's a house on top, but below it's a bakery, so they still sell coffee and pastries and whatnot. And um, yeah, it's really, it's really, really great. Obviously, right now, with everything that's happening, things are a little slower, um, but they, and they've had to close a couple of the different um, storefronts, but for the most part, they're still doing a lot of delivery because um, that's like a pretty big sector for them. So luckily, I got to go there. Yeah, you do. They have the best cookies. The Garabato cookie is, um, it's basically like a, it's not a sugar cookie, but it's the most similar thing would be a sugar cookie with chocolate ganache in the middle and then it's drizzled. Garabato means scribble. So that's kind of the, mm. the signature for everything. It's like a, has like a nice scribble on top. And my oh, grandfather wow. was the one who created that with my grandmother. And is it all confined to Mexico? Where can people find this around the world? So it's only in Mexico City. Okay. There's a hundred of them in Mexico City. So maybe I like overshot it. It might be like 70. But like actual restaurants, so, there's a lot less. But then there's there's the boutiques, which is where they, you can get the pastries and where you can get the coffee and whatnot. That's and awesome. So I think that one, I'm pretty sure the number is up there. <laughs> This just went to the like very top of my dream destinations <laughs> to eat. Yeah, at. this is so, <laughs> when this is all over, Mexico City. Here we come. One hundred percent. No, I will see you there, Larry. Like it's happening, and we can make a stopover uh, in LA and get some pasta. Which I never thought I would say I'm going to LA for pasta, but like, hey, why not? <laughs> yeah, do people in LA eat pasta? That's what, what I, I was going to say. Was trying so hard to, um, you know, keep it together. <laughs> There's a lot um, of bes- behind the scenes people in LA too that make the magic happen. Sure, yes. yeah. Shout well, out to them. They're eating the pasta. There's killer food in LA. I've eaten some really good stuff. It's just not super carby, I would say. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, okay, Ronnie, where can, uh, where can folks find you? Where, where do you want to be found online? Give us a couple of, couple so of plugs. So you can find me mostly Instagram, my personal mm-hmm. Instagram, Ronit Josalvitz. I also have my food Instagram, which is Ronit's World. Um, right now it's limited to at-home things that I'm making, but. Making oh, but don't talk it stuff. down. I mean, look at this <laughs> sushi bowl. So beautiful. Um, <laughs> I just recently made a rainbow explosion cake, so I'm very excited about that. Oh, too. you did? Yes. How much? Okay, well, we'll talk about this online, <laughs> offline. But uh, I've got questions. I just, I just followed, so I can't wait to Thank see you. this. Um, and I also have my website, which is runitjoselvitz.com, and that's kind of where I post the creative stuff that I'm working on. Um, so from photography to kind of just digital strategy that I work on for different clients. Um, that's where you can find more information about them too. And what about the Lululemon page where we can see some of your um, your IG lives? What's that? Yeah, so handle? that's Lululemon MX. So MX, it's okay. the Lululemon um, Instagram page for Mexico. And I'm the one behind all that. So you, awesome. right? I can respond in English if need so, if need be. <laughs> Handy, handy. All right. Well, Ronit, thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. Um, we you know, we're really grateful to have a presence like you in such a weird time. And I'm sure you're itching for things to get back to normal. But in the meantime, you're making it a lot easier. So, so thank you for all that you do. And um, please don't be a stranger. Yeah. Thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Sweet. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.